Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, babies. The Charity Stripe at your free throws because they are free. Fisher to Sopless. We have a very special guest today. I want to say, and I'd love his take on it too, probably a top five most underrated New York Jet of the 21st century. I think I'm, I think I'm cool. Say I have my five, by the way. Uh, we have Bilal Powell, Louisville legend, joining the boys. How are you, man? Welcome to the show. What's going on, man? I, hopefully, I'm in that top five, though. <laughs> you are that. You know that's what I'm saying. You are in that top five. I said the top five most underrated jet. I think. I think of the 21st century. I think it's you, Leon Washington, Brad Smith. I have. I have like. I love the return guys. I have like a soft spot for yeah. those two. Um, I was. I didn't want to throw Kotri in there because I think he kind of got his due. But Jeremy Curley had like a couple sneaky seasons. I thought that was a good one. And then this is like a guy that's not underrated in the grand scheme of things in like NFL terms. But I, I think he does deserve more praise for what he meant to the organization. Debrickashaw Ferguson. Absolutely. Absolutely, right? I, as, I like never. You like, thank you, right? Put I, some, like that. I think I, I had like a good shower thought about it. I, I my whole family, I, I think I'll tell you just off the bat before we get into the New York Jets. My whole family is New York Jets fans, pretty much, but me. So I, I'm a New England fan because my grand my grandfather's a Pats guy, but I grew up still pulling for for y'all and for the Jets. So I, I, I hope that I don't get crucified uh from like the familia oh. with that with that top five, but I think it's a solid one. Um, crazy stuff going on. I know you've been covering on your on your jet show in flight snack with Rami. Great dude as well. Um, and we want to kick it off, man. Like state of the Jets. What do you think of, I guess, Wilson's progress last game? Because I know you were a little beat up as a lot of people were about it, as they should have been uh, in the first couple of weeks. And what do you make of Rogers talking like a comeback and this crazy rehab? Well, I think Zach, Zach actually showed us a glimpse of why we drafted him number two overall, and and I think the, the defense kind of took a, a breath of relief in saying, hey, this is exactly – this is the quarterback that we needed going into the season. Listen, I, I don't think their defense is going to give up many points. So I think if the Jets can find a way to just continue to just monitor the game, you know, just just mm-hmm. take care of the ball. Uh, I said before, I think this team reminds me a lot of that 08-09 team with Mark Sanchez. He didn't put up, like, crazy numbers. He just found a way to manage the game. They had a good run game. They had a good defense. I think when you look at the paper, uh, the roster all the way down, this this reminds me so much of that. And, uh, you know, I think Jet fans should be like, okay, since it's early and, and if Zach Wilson could be consistent in playing this way, hopefully he just came alive. And, and now we're going to see this Zach Wilson for the rest of the season. I think I think they're going to have a good a good turnaround, especially if you look at the standards right now in the AFC. I think they're sitting in that the middle of the pack when you're talking about being able to run off some games. And uh, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers, that injury was that was a that was a huge hit to what they had set up for the all season. You know, they they built that offense based on Aaron Rodgers. I think everybody can be honest about that. Uh, so you know, having that 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 injury was a big dagger to us. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, it was interesting because sometimes you need a game like Zach had against the chiefs where the Chiefs scored 17 points in the first quarter. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, like there's so much pressure going into the first quarter for a guy like Zach. And it's very apparent, especially when you're playing in New York, playing in front of Taylor Swift, you're playing against Patrick Mahomes, like all these different things (laughs) involved. You're, you're picking up the mantle from Aaron Rodgers, but when you're down 17, nothing like you can kind of just let it fly. You can kind of just forget about like the anxiety and the pressure and just play. And now I think for me, what I want to see from them is start a game like this, right? Like, Brees and Dalvin, like they didn't really have that much of an impact. They only had, I think, like combined like 12 or 13 carries. You want him to be that game manager type. He showed that he can make the throws against the Chiefs when the Jets were already down. Now go into a game and be a little bit more balanced, right? Keep your defense off the field, run the football, mm-hmm. use Brees Hall, who's a tremendous talent. And uh, Josh and I were, were arguing week one. We were like, I don't know if he looks fully healthy. Like, he, I, I, he broke out that long run. And I was like, I think he's like 90% because I think he would have house called that thing if he were 100. But every week he gets closer and closer to 100%. Um, and he might, he might already be there or as close as he can be after coming back from that horrific injury. But do you agree with that kind of approach going forward where it's like, let the run game kind of dictate the game, keep the defense off the field? and then allow Zach to kind of flourish in that role and, and take the shots when he has to. Absolutely. If, if I think right now the offensive line that we, we saw Sunday, uh, Sunday night, this is the, probably the best we've looked as far as having the right pieces in the right places. Guys finally getting familiar with each other, understanding, you know, how, okay, you, you know, uh, Makai Beckman going from right tackle to left tackle was a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and putting these pieces together, you're kind of seeing what – what we saw in Zach Wilson based on the offensive lineman's performance. They kept the, they kept the pocket pretty clean for him, and we saw a talented Zach Wilson, uh, and then we saw the running backs. I think Brees, Hall, Brees Halls right now is averaging almost six yards a carry, uh, yards out the contact. To me, that's Dang. insane. So if we can find a way to continue to just smash my football, smash my football, run the ball, that's time management. You know what I mean? That's time, time of possession. Keep the clock running. And let's not depend on Zach throwing this ball 30, 40 times a game. Let's find a way to – let's find a way to – we got th- three really good running backs, in my opinion, and, and Dalvin, Michael Carter, and Brees Hall. So we yeah. can find a way to just get these guys going. And I would like to see more of Brees Hall. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I, I would like to see him in consistent more because, I mean, every time he touch the ball, guys are holding their breath. Like, he can go the distance at any time right now. Uh, I think he looks the most comfortable out of all the running backs in his offense, and they got to continue to just get that going, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Salah came out. He's like, "Hey, look, he's not on a pitch count anymore." Is the way they described it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, coming back from that injury, we both went to Texas, so we know firsthand him being from Iowa State. Like we've seen him, what he can do, and toward us for years now. Like this guy's, this guy is a real. Especially when, like, you know, like the top 10 running backs, you know, or, and I don't mean to put it in quotes because I basically start off the show with my own version of a top five, but the, the, the lists are always so fluid, you know, and this is a guy that really at full health, full tilt should be in that mix. And you're right, like the often they've spent a lot of draft capital on the offensive line, a lot. Like Beckton's a big draft pick. Did you know him, by the way, before? Like, do you guys have a, any kind of relationship? No, no relationship. You know, just same school, uh, U of L. Yeah. Saw him a couple of times in the building when I was coming back in the offseason and stuff training. So that's about it, man, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and having him, though, at full health, at full tilt, having Vera Tucker, like, mm-hmm. this is a team that's battled offensively, like, a lot of injuries on paper. They look great, but they, it's sometimes it takes a little bit to get cooking. 
You know what I'm saying? For so, like, look at the Bengals. Do we really think the Bengals are that that bad, or do they have some injuries they're dealing with and they kind of have to get cooking a little bit? And I think you're right. The, the, of all nights with Chris Jones back in the fold, the whole Chiefs defensive line, like the Jets' offensive line looked clean. Wilson didn't have to break plays and go improvise, and they're actually able to get cooking. And I think you'll agree with me, Bilal, that when the Jets are at their best, they always have like a good running back room. It was it was what was you and Ivory. It was you and Green, right? But you had both both of y'all together, right? Yeah. You and you and Matt, you and Forte, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, Forte, and like what we had. I was, it was Curtis Martin, but then you had like um, why am I blanking on? I mean, McKnight was even there, and is you know, and is I mean, a third LT, yeah, you know, LT Thomas Jones, yeah, Thomas Jones. Like, you had some guys that was running the ball. I think I think that was. Honestly, man, when I came in, Rex Ryan, he, he talked about that run game when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. He, he was like, man, look at the line of running backs that we got, man. We want you to come in and do the same thing. Like Rex Rex lived on running the football because he knew if we can get these – if I can have a fresh defense out there and we have a time of possession, we know we don't have that quarterback right now that can sit back there and throw it 50 times. You had to rely on the run game. And I think that's the same thing uh, that you see with the, with the uh, New York Jets. Yeah, I mean, right but go, I, I, I go go across the league though, and we say this on our show all the time. Toss can can attest, like run the football, get out of games. Why are you prolonging a game? Why are you? I mean, unless you have one of these guys like a Mahomes, a Josh Allen, and the QB play has kind of been a bit down. Like I mentioned, Burrow been a bit disappointing. Trevor Lawrence has been a bit lackluster, you know, from what we thought he was going to be. Even Dak, I, I know the Cowboys are three and one, hasn't been you know pitching a perfect game. But look at the Titans. They're two and two. Their passing game, we all think it is not good. Borderline stinks, but they have Derrick Henry. Like they have a real run game and a good defense. Like that should be a bread and butter. I'm I'm hoping and I think and and Ty J Spears, who is quietly like making a huge impact, right? Like he's had like three or four catches for 40 plus yards every single game. Like but then look at the 49ers who who have both, and they're just, I mean. It's nothing you can do. <laughs> I think you can. It's no. It's. The, I think they're probably one of the best teams in the league right now. Honestly, yeah. Oh my doing. god, they're probably Hard the best. They are. That. Pro- yeah, they're probably. The, they probably are the best. Like realistically, mm-hmm. uh, you guys this weekend, y'all got Denver. Like how we have to win. How I know. I mean, we have to like win. No, one. no, you know, like no, no on. analysis involved. Like you got to beat this team. I mean, like, honestly, you you just have to beat this team. This team is not like, good. This is not a good football team. I mean, when you, I'm sure you, you know, did you become more and more vocal in the locker room, or were you like vocal from the jump? Like, because like obviously you you had a long career that you played your whole career. Later there. on in my career, later on in my career, yeah. I, I, I yeah. said a few words. I wasn't I wasn't never a hoorah guy. You know, I spoke when I needed you know speak. You know what I mean? And that and that usually came in a players only meeting. It was mm. never nothing to get a coach to think that I was this this leader. It was more of my teammates understanding uh, when something was important to me, and and I think I needed to say it. Um, I, I say it. Um, you know, I was a man of few words, but you know, like they said, um, a man of few words. And usually, when he speaks, he speaks volume. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was that guy. So mm-hmm. you were a part of a multitude of different teams where the record ended up in a lot of different places. Sometimes y'all had losing records. Sometimes y'all had winning records. Did you feel like there was a correlation between having like a vocal leader on offense and defense, almost like 
your captain, you know, who everyone kind of went to, who was more of the like rah-rah leader was essential into getting that winning record versus that losing record. Because like you look at the Broncos, right? And like obviously Russell Wilson is a guy that speaks a lot and that's pretty typical of a QB and and you could you could knock them because of it or or you could you could say that that's that it's putting the locker room in a weird position or in a good position. I don't really know. I'm not in there, but like, did that have an effect when you were playing with the jets on who those vocal leaders were? It, it depended on who it was and, and how he, how he practiced, how he carried himself every day. Uh, his, you know, his professionalism. How, how was he? Was he a dog? Was he a dude? Because usually when a guy's talking so much and, and we're still losing, it's almost like, guys, we know what we need to do. It's, it's, it's not enough. It's, it's right. not, Anything else you can say at this point, we know we need to win. And, you know, and you get to that point in, in your in your season where you're like, what are we doing? Like, what, what's going on? Like, pieces are just falling apart. You know, preseason, we was like, oh, man, we had this team put together. And next thing you know, it's like, here we are, at, you know, halfway through the season and we got three three wins. We got two wins. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And And, you know, you almost get fed up with the guy that wants to Hey guys, like here's what we on. need to do. It's this like, what we we know what we need to do. We need to win. It is nothing else <laughs> that that needs to be yeah. said. But the fact that we need to win, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if you don't win in this business, man, you know what I used to always tell the old the younger guys coming in is when you don't win, and they get rid of a coach, there's so much turnaround. You might not even be here, mm-hmm. and and if you're here, you might be stuck in a situation that you do not want to be in. Because you might be that guy for this staff, but the next staff that comes in or the next general manager that comes in might not even like you. So, you know, we always talk about winning and winning now. That that was the famous line that LT, Hall of Famer, told me. He said, man, you know, when I seen this man almost tearing up and these veterans tearing up when we missed the playoffs because they like, hey, man, you don't you can't worry about next year. You know what I mean? You have to win and win now because there may not ever be an opportunity. And now nine years with the New York Jets, I never made the playoffs. So I now I understand what LT was trying to tell me early on in my career, man. Yeah, I guess that's what I was kind of going for, too. Like, what do you say to this team? And I guess that's what you say to this team on Sunday. Like, you got to win now. Don't worry about like next year. Don't worry about Rodgers coming back in the building or when he you don't you know, these are things you can't control. Like all you could control is building off of la- like you took the defending champs with a couple of weird calls from the refs to the ropes. So like exactly. this is a team and a late turnover separate. by by Zach. They, you know Delayed we had the ball second and nine on a fifty. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. One first down. I, that's possible point point zone for us. Yeah, we mm-hmm. like any NFL game. You can argue about the refs calls till the cows come home. Right. But like the, the fact of the matter is you control what you <laughs> actually can control. And if Zach doesn't fumble that ball, you give yourself a chance yeah. again. Like he played a great game up until that point, but that's the margin of, of wins and losses in the NFL is like exactly. those, those mistakes or the lack of those mistakes and, and the execution on the opposite side of that. So I think it was cool. At least like there's so much, I, I guess this will get into my next question, but it was cool to see, you know, guys like Lazard and Garrett Wilson pick up Zach after he showed that accountability and obviously that moment got, got clipped and, and, you know, Sunday night game, of course it did. Um, but uh, of him saying, you know, that's my bad. Like I, I lost yeah. us this game. Did you feel week in week out that no matter if y'all were having a good season or a bad season, that every, every single thing that y'all did as a team and as an individual was that much more important because of the city that you're playing in? It, it was, 
and, and quite and, you know honestly to ask yourself you you almost question if a guy is really going his hard as is he really studying is he is he really preparing man like you ask yourself so many questions because you 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 want to be like why are we just not clicking why why are we not winning and then you go back and you always watch film and it's two or three plays that that turn that determine a game week in and week out just like you saw Sunday night two or three plays that you know I feel like the New York Jets wish they had back and and it just felt like it could never the ball could never bounce in our favor for mm. some reason so you know you always question a lot of things man like you're human right and, and and when you're losing in this business it makes it harder and harder to go into the facility it makes it hard you know the coaches that you know when everyone's winning like it's easy to have that roster put together but the coach that can keep a team together when you're losing or the leaders the true leaders that can keep a team together when you're losing to try to keep stacking things even if you're out the playoffs Getting the you know getting four wins at the end, knowing you're not gonna be in the playoffs. To us, that's saying, hey, that's a momentum for next year. That's encouraging. So you know, my biggest thing is what I was saying early on in our episodes, where we can't, we can't, you know, we we were so sad about a, a win versus a very good team in versus the Buffalo Bills because we lost Aaron Rodgers. But we can't let that put us aside because we have an entire season. If we if we start thinking about Aaron Rodgers right now, the whole season is gone. You know what I mean? So you, I think as a coach, the biggest thing that you need is having the right leaders and not only just having the right leaders, but having the right leaders at the right time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think we saw what the right leaders and like the right mentality of bouncing back when you're on the ground, because the way the whole fan base and the franchise felt like you're saying after the Rogers injury, the subsequent games, the losses that, you know, took place, the week after the Cowboys, which, you know, now seeing outside of the Arizona game, seeing what the Cowboys have done to the Patriots, who have played teams tight up until them, the Giants, the decimation outside of Arizona, which I think are a team that a lot of people underestimated, and I don't think they will going forward. Um, they are killing teams. And then the Patriots, with the defense played fantastic. The defense played fantastic against the Pats. You know, so a couple, a lot of moral defeats. But now, like when you're like Alex is saying down 17 nothing, and you're like, oh no, here we go again. This kid that you took second overall actually shows probably the most important trait, I would say, in a champion. And you've been around more ball resilience. Like, can you be resilient? Can you weather the storm? Can you get hit in the mouth consistently and then just kind of keep pushing forward? And he did that. And, you know, and I think that's why, like, we've seen Wilson be frustrated. We've watched, like, the with Hawkeyes, like, oh, these guys are frustrated with him, frustrated with Salah. We heard the rumors. That's why I think you see these guys comfort him, right, at the end of games, because he showed that. He showed that trait, finally, that he's willing to stick in the pocket and make it happen. You know, and, I, and honestly, I think the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs jumping up 17 points was, was, a, was a slap in the defense face, too. That's that's saying, hey Zach, you know, seventeen point lead, and we're supposed to be one of the top defenses in the in the in the league. You know, obviously we know we know that the offense isn't clicking right now, but we can't start that slow, especially against a team like that. You know, we put Zach behind an eight ball. All right, seventeen points. Let's be honest, and he did a good job of chopping it, chopping it back, and chopping it back. And to me, that was the most complete football that I've seen the New York Jets play, even even in a loss. That was the most complete football that I've seen the New York Jets play all season. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of career questions for you, Bilal, and then we'll get into. Oh, sorry, Alex, you want to jump on there? No, no, no. Cut. I no. The the only thing I was going to ask is just kind of back to the the New York point. Like during your career, when you were a part of any given season where it was a losing season and things weren't going well, how did you, if at all, like were there different tactics that you employed to drown out the like the New York BS that happens when? the Jets aren't doing what everyone in the fan base like wants them to do. Well, you know, I wasn't on social media. That was, that was the most important thing for me. I didn't have social media until I retired. Like my last year going into retirement, I didn't get, I didn't have, cause I know that market in New York is, is vicious. And you know, the the biggest thing is as a coach, as an organization, I think you have to have a, a ton of guys, especially in New York. Now, New York's a different beast. And we're talking about the city, the lifestyle. You have to have you have to have guys that are focused, man. Guys that really, really, truly love football. Not mm. what football does for them in their lifestyle, but guys that really love the game. And, and you got to have a solid veteran group that understands that they they have to show these young men how to really move in, in this profession. But you know, I, it was times where you know it was tough losing, man. It, it's it's like I told you, it's hard losing and going into that building. It's hard watching film it's hard preparing when you're losing it's it's hard going to practice when you're losing especially when it starts to get cold in new york <laughs> it, it i mean everything just seems a lot harder you can't, when you're it's losing. not you can yeah. take a walk yeah you know what i'm saying, saying? Like, step outside and winning, grab a coffee no <laughs> but listen when you're winning though especially in new york when you're winning okay when we even if we run off three games early in the season you know and then we you know, we don't lose going on a losing streak. But, like, when you're winning, man, it just makes it easier. It, it makes it easier to be a team, right? So that's why I said teams like this, like this team right now, I think when you look at the AFC, man, they're set up for it. They're in the middle of it. So if they can run off some games right now before half, you know, halfway through the season, and especially with a, you know, a bye week coming up, I think they're going to be okay, man. I don't. I mean, it's what, three teams right now that, I, that you can really consider a playoff team right now in the AFC? You know, everybody else yeah. two, two and two, one and three. You know, there's there's only a few teams right now that are oh okay, they they look like they can win the division. You know what I mean? The yeah. Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Ravens. Outside of that, like that's any, it. everyone, outside of that, it's just fair game. Just keep yeah, winning. Who, you know what I mean? Who knows what's happening in the AFC South? Dealers like Troy. I couldn't call it. Couldn't call it. <laughs> somebody, somebody in the AFC South probably could get in with eight wins, seven wins this year. They, they <laughs> can't lose themselves. Yeah, man. Uh, Couple, couple I hope love. it's De- I hope it's D'Amico and those guys. Honestly, I hope. I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say. I hope it is Stroud and the Texans. They're sweet to watch. Um, before we get into some quick hitters and a good question, we always ask everybody. I got to. I got to know why your whole career with the Jets, and then on two of your former colleagues. How not surprised maybe are you that Gino has found success and now Bowles has found some success this year? Yeah, it almost seems it always seems like that when, when guys leave that organization for some reason it becomes <laughs> successful. Honestly, man, you know, over my years I've always heard if you want to kill your career, you want to have a, a downhill spiral, guys come to retire, go to New York. All right. That's that's what you, that's but what you, you stayed. Heard. I did, and I, I was almost four point four yards of carry. So I don't know what they were talking about. Um, but yeah. you know, just on Gino, man. Uh, I always knew Gino had it. I, I felt like Gino could make every throw. He had a strong arm, and he can run the ball. I think you know he just had to be patient. He had he had to wait his turn when he lost his opportunity, and now now we're seeing why Gino was drafted early. 
he was drafted early, what third round, second round in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the Geno I saw on film at West Virginia. You know, I played against him when I was at Louisville, and you know, that same guy that is doing what he's doing now, he he was doing in West Virginia. You know, he, he he's goes. found his niche, he found his system, and he's running with it. He has a good coach over there, you know what I mean? Good good organization. And uh, you know, hats off to him. Hopefully, many more years to come for him, man. Mm-hmm. And Bulls too, man. How do you feel about that? Are you surprised that he's been successful in Tampa? Um, no, not not really. Uh, I think when when Bowles first got here, um, we ran off what ten and ten and six, mm-hmm. missing the playoffs by one one game. Um, and then you know. That next year, it's, it's always like, man, it's just that one piece that's missing. What was the one piece? Like, obviously, we brought Fitz back. Um, had the same only thing, only piece that changed in the offense was Chris Ivory. And and you brought in Matt Forte. You know, I think I can honestly say that, you know, Chris Ivory and I were a better compliment. You know, like, yeah, we were two totally different running backs. And then you brought in a Forte who was a guy that did everything. And, you know, we, we didn't have that big similar bruiser. Yeah, it was y'all similar to me. Yeah. We was kind of similar. So it was just like it, it wasn't no, like, one-two punch. It, you know, when you prepare for Matt Forte, you kind of prepare for me. But when you prepare for Chris Ivory, you couldn't prepare for me. You know what I mean? You were preparing for two totally different uh, running backs. And, man, I think once uh, Chan Gailey found that, 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 okay, let me – I can use him this way and that way. I mean, I feel like that year in 2015, we were that team that no one wanted to play later in the mm-hmm. season. Um, and I felt like if we had we got into the playoffs, I think we could have really turned some heads and really ran the table that year. Mm-hmm. I think we were rolling that much. It's one of those one of those franchises that every time they get in the playoffs, they make it. They make that's like the, the only caveat. Like the the, the regular season is crazy, but when they get to mm-hmm. the playoffs, magic just starts happening. So yeah, yeah I, I, I feel you. I, yeah, what what do you think if you could pick like stylistically, like skill set wise, to build a committee backfield, like what kind of backs would you have? Let's just say it's let's just say it's two running backs, not not three. It's not make this super complicated, but like is it the bruiser, the between the tack like is it what Dallas had last year with the Zeke and a Tony Pollard? Like is that the, the kind the of perfect, perfect pairing? For me. That's the that's that's the perfect backfield right now. I think, you know, obviously there's situational football where uh, we need to run the clock out for a minute where you don't need a Tony Pollard in there. You need an Ezekiel Elliott. And, and then there's a situation where we're in two minute or, you know, we're on third down where we need a Tony Pollard that, you know, guy that can get out of the backfield and catch or he can he can line up in the slot and, and you know, we can create a better match with him versus a linebacker than Ezekiel Elliott. It's, that's my style of ball. That's that's what I would want to go with. I wouldn't want to go with uh, having a, a running back, you know, group where – all the guys are similar. I think, you know, to me right now, I think the New York Jets have one of the perfect running back rooms. You you know, I think obviously Brees Hall, he can catch out of the backfield. Uh, Dalvin Cook can catch. But then you have a Michael Carter who I think you honestly, he's a third down back right now, which I did in my career when we had Chris Johnson and Chris Ivory. I was just a third down back. I think, more, more to me is, is is definitely having finding that perfect one two duo, and then yeah. kind of having a third down, kind of having a, a, a decent third back because injuries happen. You know what I mean? You need it. Depth is depth is everything, man. Depth is everything. Uh, before we let you rock and roll, we do something called we have 
two traditions on the show. One is two minute drill. So we're just going to ask you rapid fire questions and you're just going to spit Ooh. off answers. Okay. Okay. Funniest teammate you've ever had. Rontez Miles. <laughs> that was quick. Most underrated player you've ever played with. Jeremy Curley. Mm. All right. Uh, best player you played against. Luke Keekley. Oh, wow. That is a good, that's a cool answer. Uh, which team would you, Bilal Powell, want to, th what do you, what do you thrive on today? Like if you could put yourself on any team, like which team do you think you would best, you know, service your skills and vice versa? San Francisco. Mm. Nice. I love it. I All love right. If you could have, you know, all Louisville team, who would you rather have a quarterback at Louisville? This is them at Louisville. Lamar, or Teddy, two gloves. You can't do me, man. Them my boys. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Lamar, man. He was, he's a lesser fan, man. I have to go with yeah. Lamar. Is Revis a top five de defensive player of all time? I wouldn't say defensive player of all time, but I would definitely say a defensive back. He's a top five defensive back of all time. Yeah, that he he was that ridiculous. Like in practice every yeah. day. Yeah, he was locked in. Like practice practice reps were game reps for him. He was like he was locked into a different dimension. Like it was almost like uh, you know how you talk about Tom Brady, <laughs> you talk about LeBron James, Michael Jordan. How these guys, you know, Kobe Bryant. That's that was the real Revis uh, from my eyes when I saw him. Was there ever mm -hmm. a time in practice where one of the receivers was just like, just done with it? Just like, I'm, I, no, I'm out. Like, this is because I can't, because he won't you let can't. me. No, I, I didn't see it, but you know, you get heated in training camp. Yeah. When you, when you, you're supposed to be a number one receiver and, and, and derails over there, hemming you up, you know, hard. <laughs> Take you yeah, to the was... water coolers. You know? yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, is Nick Mangle the Hall of Famer? Yes. I completely agree. He, I think so. That, he, you could lop him into the, the most under. I think. The, I think players. the British, I think the Brooker Shaw Ferguson should be Hall of Famer. That's a, I both those guys. That was one of the best drafts first round in the 21st century. They nabbed both those guys. Brooker Shaw Ferguson never missed a. He never missed a practice or a game. Only missed one snap because they put Reeves in in 10 years. Crazy. How is like he not Hall of Famer? Hall yeah, of Fame player, crazy. Hall of Fame name too. Yeah. Obviously, that's obvious. Yeah. yeah, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame town. He's from the town over, Freeport, uh, from from where I grew up in Long Island. Uh, top five running backs since two thousand. Since two thousand, I'm gonna have to go with Adrian Peterson, Chris Johnson. Are these in order? Or are these just answering? Just answering. Uh, Adrian Peterson, Chris Johnson, Ladanian Thomason. Um, I think that's tough. LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, with that a little bit, honestly. Yeah, I think he. I don't think people talk about him enough. Like Sean McCoy, I don't know if he's in my. I don't know if I'd say top five, but I. I think that I agree with you completely. I think he gets completely overlooked. Um, throw out, I throw out some names. And, and uh, I mean, like, who Henry, you got? Henry Gore. 
McGay, uh, Jamal Charles. I'm just throwing out guys, not necessarily. Well, I like Jamal it. Charles. I like Jamal Charles. I'm talking about their game. I'm not, you know, statistically, Frank Gore played sure. a million years. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm just, I'm thinking about a player's game. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm thinking of, when I think about, you know, a top five running back, I'm thinking about a guy you have to scout. Yeah. You really have to, like, have a game plan for Can him. McCaffrey? You know I mean? We're not yet. No, nah, nah, not yet. Because of the injuries. Not yet. I mean, he showed glimpses. The dude is, is, is he's, he's really good. <laughs> yeah, he's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. Um, all right, and this is the last one. We ask every guest this. It could be from you playing, watching, high school, college, pros, anytime, anywhere, any place, anything. What is your favorite sports memory ever? My favorite sports memory um, definitely has to be It's two of them, but I'll, I'll take one. Um, I think you can I share both. First you want to my first career reception versus the New York Giants on the third and fifteen in the red zone, because mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why. Because the entire week we practiced that play, and it did not work at practice. And in my head, I'm like, throw this out of the game plan. It's not going to work. And when and when and when Chan Gailey called that play in the huddle, I was like, it ain't going to work. And I ended up scoring. So that's that's probably one of my best moves. Yeah. That's, that's that's hilarious. Awesome. It's yeah. a really great one. Uh Bilal Powell, thank you so much. Wait, for... Josh, just real quick, real quick. Who's Go. gonna win this weekend? Louisville or Notre Dame? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, man, and, and without being biased. Um, Louisville's on a roll, five and oh. Jeff Brown recruited me. I love Jeff and, and, and his family. Uh I'm, I'm talking about the Brown family, played with his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just I picked Notre Dame in this one. Um, I just think that Notre Dame is the is the better football team. Um, I think I think defensively, Louisville's gonna have to get out to that quarterback. Yeah. You got to move him out of that pocket, get him off his mark. He's a beast, and, though. He's, uh, he's a really good player. And, and Louisville has to run the ball on offense. They have to. They have to run keep the it ball out of his hands. You got to. I'm gonna be honest. I don't think I don't think Plummer is a guy that you could trust to throw it 35, 40 times a game. So they have to run the ball. Five really and zero assessment. I want to see I, Notre I Dame can, go down just just cause just more than anything. Well, you know, I didn't like Notre Dame because they used to take all of our bids in the Big East because you know they were independent. So like the Bulls, we were waiting to get in. They always got them because they were the independent school. So we, they usually the most fraudulent the school, the most fraudulent school of all time. <laughs> Absolute over overhyped city. People that go there are lame. I, I stand by it tooth and nail. I tooth and nail anti Notre Dame, and I will firmly, firmly uh, stand about stand by that. But we are pro Blah Powell in flight snack. Go check it out uh, if you're listening to the pod or if you're listening to ESPN, the mightier 1090. Uh, shout out to you and the family over there. Go check out Blah Show. Blah, thank you so much. We'll run it back at some point, man. An absolute pleasure having you on. Man, I appreciate you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Always, always, brother. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube.